0: Our Old Testament reading tonight comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. Hear a word of God for the people of God. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. As for in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle, and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be filled for the fire." For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As someone who was raised in Buffalo, New York... When I imagine an ideal Christmas Eve, I imagine the snow. After all, I cannot remember a single Christmas Eve growing up ever when we went without it. And so, Christmas Eve can feel a little disappointing for me on occasion these days. It became a private tradition of mine every year to steal a few moments to myself on Christmas Eve, to sneak outside after it had gotten dark, and to listen for the sound of the snow. If you have never heard snow before, you must promise me that tonight, next time you get the chance, you'll listen For there is really no better time to hear the hushed hum that the world makes than when all is calm and still outside because every human is gathered around a family dinner table digesting and all the animals are tucked away for the season. Close your eyes with me for a minute and just imagine this scene. Close your eyes. There's a mild bite in the air. Crisp white flakes are falling softly, and they're hitting your cheekbones. The ground went from green to stark white before your very eyes, lighting up the night sky in a kind of dark purpley-orange. But otherwise, there's total stillness. And then you hear this sound. sound of snow. And if you don't believe me, then I guess you will just have to go and listen for yourself, as for me it's the closest thing I know to heaven on earth. But even without the snow, I think that if we listen carefully, we'll still find that there is a bit of a hum in the air tonight, as all of our Christmas preparations come to an end, and we sit in silence, waiting for a baby's first cry. And I don't think it's just us. I think that all of creation is humming tonight when the membrane between heaven and earth is so thin that you can almost see through it. It's the night we've all been waiting for when Emmanuel, the God who is with us, finally arrives and promises to never let us go. That is the main thing that we wait for tonight, but, my guess is, it's not the only thing. For instance, I'll bet that there is at least one of you out there who is waiting to find out what is that giant wrapped present that is too big to fit under the tree. And someone else is surely waiting to taste a bite of that glorious Christmas ham and to wash it down with a plate full of cookies. And still there's another of you out there who eagerly awaits waking up to a house full again of children and grandchildren who have all come home to spend the holidays with you. I also know some for whom this is a hard time of year. When we wait, maybe with a kind of dread to see that empty chair in the living room or the folded stocking that we didn't put up this year, For the test results to come in, or the next paltry paycheck, barely able to make ends meet. For the world's affairs to feel more hopeful, or to learn whether Christmas will disappoint us as sorely this year as it did last. Contrary to the words that we are about to sing, maybe for you, very little feels calm and bright on Christmas Eve this year. For better and for worse, Christmas has this way of reminding us of all our greatest wishes for our lives and this world, the ones fully realized and the ones left unfulfilled. It feels like this time of year in particular puts a spotlight on all of our past memories and present realities, especially the ones that don't live up to the expectations we have for life and what it should be like once God has been born into it. And it doesn't help that Christmas is marketed like this ideal scene from one of those picture-perfect holiday cards we've all been getting in the mail, where families smile and get along, where the snow sparkles—I got three of those this year. The manger scene is merry and bright, and all the world is filled with peace. You get too many of those, and any sane person starts measuring their life, disappointedly wondering what in the world we were ever waiting on to begin with. But I think what our cards fail to name for us about this day is that the Christmas arrival has always been a wrestling match between the darkness and the light, between our hope-filled vision for how things could be and one day might be, and our present reality of what is. Even on that first Christmas night, things were not ideal. The story tells us that for a poor, scared teenager giving birth for the first time, there was no room. For a man with every cultural expectation and political obligation and internal pressure bearing down on him to be strong and obedient and a provider, there was no relief. For this family's nearly hundred-mile trek through the desert at nine months pregnant to get their names registered with a corrupt government or suffer the consequences, there was no sparing them. And for shepherds who were terrified by an angel, almost certainly because any display of power they'd ever witnessed in their worlds was so often exercised with brute Force instead of great joy, for them, there was no guarantee. On that first Christmas night, all the characters found themselves afraid and were left wanting, and all they could really do was put their faith in the light of God that came to them on that night and pray that it wouldn't disappoint. They actually came from a long lineage of people, Who taught them such a way of being in the world? The generations who came before this night, this family, this baby, they got in the habit of looking for glimpses of light when they were stuck in the pitch dark. And they followed it until it led them somewhere new. We read about them in the Isaiah text. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Like we do on every Christmas, they read these texts on their high holy days and in every season when the world couldn't seem further from what God had intended. They read these texts as they waited in the dark, as they waited for hope. And as they waited, they made a choice to believe in the love of a God that doesn't wait. A God that didn't wait to come, until the world got better, or when all was merry and bright, didn't wait until people got their acts together, or stopped being riddled with shame, or asked forgiveness. A God who didn't wait for political reform, or better politicians, for a war to end, or suffering to cease, or for us to become more generous, or selfless, or righteous. They chose to believe in a God who didn't wait, but who entered into the world in flesh and bone to be with them through stars and angels and animals and a baby and every ordinary thing in the best of times and most especially in the worst of times. A God who took up residence in the most painful places of our world, who works to feed the hungry and heal the earth, to care for the lonely, to seek justice for the oppressed, a God who is near to the refugee seeking a home and sets a place at the table for a stranger and an enemy and the outcast and asks us to do the same. These people were taught that you have to look for the divinely lit up places in this world, and that sometimes, sometimes, they come looking for you. But whether you find it or are found, the most faithful thing any of us can do when it happens is to follow to believe that the light is somewhere still among us, somewhere still within us, and to believe in the midst of all the pessimism that this world peddles, that the hope of newness and healing and justice for all is a possibility that God is still working to bring about and to speak about it and to point others to it and to follow it wherever it goes. These stories, that we read tonight, they have acted like a light for those in darkness from generation to generation right up until this very hour. And tonight we have the opportunity once again to let it in, to tell the story once more and let its light shape our imaginations and inspire how we live and breathe new life into this world. Mary and Joseph and the shepherds shine their light on us tonight and we can become a reflection of light for a hurting world. A light that reminds us that it never has and it never will wait to come to those who are hurting in the dark on this Christmas Eve night and on every night hereafter. Let's pray together. Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks that you are a God that does not wait. That you are a God who does not wait for the world to be perfect or our lives to be perfect or our relationships to be perfect to enter in. To make a way for us, to be with us, to extend your invitation of love to us. And so tonight, dear God, may we take it. May we know that your light is upon us and in us and is working for this world today and always. May your light be born in us tonight. In the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen.